where we put democracy above partisanship. We care about protecting the guardrails of democracy, ensuring government accountability and transparency, and increasing civic participation. Well, I am so honored that you are all going to get to meet the fabulous Andrea Miller, who's the founding board member of the Center for Common Ground. In addition to her work with the center, Andrea is the executive director of People Demanding Action, the founding president of the National Women's Political Caucus of Virginia, and a member of the Democracy and Governance Working Group of the Virginia Green New Deal. Andrea is an IT and political director and digital and election strategist. She designs and administers digital phone banks and texting programs, which she's gonna tell us about some of the work that we could do with Center for Common Ground. So please take a listen when she's talking about that. Um, and from 2013 to 2015, she led the progressive Roundtable on Capitol Hill, bringing together members and Congress activists and nonprofit leaders. She's an expertise in voting rights, climate and the Equal Rights Amendment. Andrea, why can't we get that passed? Let's talk about that later. Um, and in 2008, she was the Democratic nominee for the Virginia 4th Congregational District. So I'm going to turn it over to Andrea and everyone give her a big tent welcome. Thank you, Andrea, for coming. Hey, thank you, everybody, for having me. This is really, really, really going to be fun. There's nothing I enjoy talking about more than the insane place that I call home, which is Virginia. And for those of you who's on my note in the chat, right now at this moment in time in 2023, Virginia is the epicenter of the universe. So what I wanna talk about on this call and a huge thank you for um, your host, all the wonderful time that Kitty and Bill spent with me. Much love to you, Susan. What a wonderful fun group you have. So let's take a look at something that we're doing in Virginia, Georgia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Uh, democracy centers, a uh, means of empowering Black voters and taking voters who have pretty much given up on elections and democracy and helping them rediscover their, I'm going to say birthright, what the heck. So what I'm going to do is share my screen and I'm going to spend a little time talking with you about the Virginia Democracy Center Project. So I've got to shout out Lode Coleman, who is a Georgia Democracy Center leader. So anyway, what the heck are these democracy centers? Well, we put together infrastructure, digital tools, training, so that communities are able to come together and really work together during periods of accelerated change. And boy, are we in a period of accelerated change. It's kind of all going in the wrong direction or mostly going in the wrong direction, but it really is accelerated change. Now, what do these things do? 
they have a very simple objective, convert low propensity voters into voting rights activists by helping their communities identify their pain points and starting work on the solution. Hungry people don't vote because government is not working for them. Homeless people don't vote because government is not working for them. So our democracy center leaders acknowledge their pain points. And when they work with their communities, they acknowledge that this is a problem. And then they begin working on a solution. Sometimes it's electoral. Many times when people are hungry, they simply open a eating center. So when I talk about identifying pain points, every community is different, although many communities have some items that they share in common. So you're going to be hearing about our Roanoke Democracy Center today. In Roanoke, gun violence was a huge issue, along with prison rights reform, along with there's a little section where they need fresh food. Um, most of our communities are concerned with economic security. And interestingly enough, even when you get in very, very rural Virginia, there is a tremendous interest in health care for all. The city of Richmond, which is the capital of Virginia, has the second highest eviction rate in the country. And while a lot of Virginia is urban, quite a bit of it is rural. Low-income urban dwellers, rural dwellers have exactly the same problem. They have no access to internet. So a number of our democracy centers, both rural and urban, work on bridging that digital divide and providing internet access through the affordable connectivity program. Why do they work? Um, I'm a data geek and the democracy centers are community centric. They are place-based within organizations, people that were already in the community that the community trust. And again, local pain points, and they help their communities find their voice. One of our democracy centers in Virginia Beach, they are hosting democracy town halls. Many of our democracy centers are going to be starting local conversation groups that they're calling or we're calling democracy circles to really make sure the conversation keeps going and at the same time, we help communities understand what they can do to empower them, their, themselves and literally change their circumstances. Um, we work at the state, national, and local level for civics. We do register voters, although we do a lot more work with GOTV. 
in a number of states where we work, we work to on GOTV to prevent voters from being kicked off the rolls. So in a number of states, if you don't vote in three federal elections, you're off the rolls. So when we're in those states, we try to make sure we catch those voters that are about to fall off the rolls and get them to vote again so that at least the clock stops up again and in many instances, turn them into activists. Um, when you're in a low-income community, financial literacy can be important. Most people in our communities have never really had the opportunity or the courage to reach out to their local state, let alone federal elected officials. And we work with them on that. Also, democracy centers write postcards, they make phone calls, they hold texting parties, and a number of them even do door knock canvas. All right, this is going to be a major shout out to Roanoke. Um, they work on voter registration and they understand that in their community, they are fighting gentrification, they're fighting food insecurity and a number of other things. So they do provide food baskets for people. They provide clothing or winter clothing for students. They got started in 2021, where 55% of their Gainesboro community did not vote at all. They were 0 for 3. In the 2023 primary, this June, a couple of months ago, 75% of the residents of Gainesboro showed up and voted. Southside, this is, or these are, our rural democracy centers. Southside, Virginia is home to all the old tobacco plantations. So those folks who know the history of Virginia know that Virginia was a huge tobacco state. Well, again, when we look at what the community needed, well, they needed uh, CPR first aid classes. They could not get delivery by Amazon or UPS at night because none of the mailboxes had reflective numbers. So it's like, okay, wait a minute, that is the solution of the problem. So if we buy reflective numbers, then people will be able to get deliveries at night. Sometimes the problem is very simple and very straightforward. We love when that happens because we can work with communities and make that happen. A big thing for us in our rural communities is broadband. And with the Infrastructure Act, we are seeing broadband come into rural communities. One of the problems with rural communities, though, is many of the residents are older. Many of the residents, especially the Black ones, are low income, and so they wouldn't be able to afford the internet. 
with a affordable connectivity program, $20 or $40 buys you a tablet and one year worth of internet connectivity. And those are a lot of the leaders from Southside. Lynchburg, affordable housing is a problem. Yes, that is potentially the understatement of the century. Our Lynchburg Democracy Center decided they were going to tackle that housing program head on. Now, they do operate a feeding program 360 days out of the year where they provide two hot meals to anyone who chooses to come and join us. And they realized the number of people depending on their food and the number of people who were homeless was constantly growing. So they took the bull by the horns, figured out what they needed to do, became the largest landowner in the city of Lynchburg. And if you look in the photograph in the back, that is the first affordable house that they built for people who were previously homeless. It is a three bedroom, two bath house that cost $160,000 retail. No, we can't go and buy the houses. They know who was homeless. All those people who came and shared meals with them over the past five years. Another huge success is our Virginia Beach Democracy Center, home to our phone banking team. Now, our phone banking team uh, from August 21st to September 18th made 100,000 GOTV phone calls for early voting. A number of the members of our phone bank team were either homeless or basically couch surfing and working as a member of our paid phone bank team has allowed them to get their own apartments and do a number of things that people weren't sure they could. Additionally, they show up at the polls and make sure that voters in the Black districts are being fairly treated. Virginia is the former capital of the Confederates and the Confederates are still here. So when they show up, it is their job to report them. Also, our phone bank team members, because most of them are under the age of 30 and they don't have back and knee problems yet, they do door knocking. Now, one of the biggest surprises we got in 2021 when these democracy centers had only been open a few months is the differential we saw in turnout between cities that had democracy centers and areas that did not. In what world does Little Roanoke, Virginia, outperform the biggest county in Virginia, Fairfax County. Well, that would be in black turnout in 2021. 
Now, in 2023, the number one race in Virginia in terms of early voting turnout is Senate District 4, home of the Roanoke Democracy Center. Now, these slides are going to be available to anybody that wants them. So I am not going to make your eyes cross over looking at all these numbers. Anyway, we have a lot of technology that we provide for democracy centers, train them how to use. And oh, here, I don't even want that slide. So we work with them to resolve electoral challenges using technology. Virginia is not a good state about letting people know where early voting is if you don't have a computer and you don't have internet. So when we postcard, we include the phone number and the website of their county registrar. When we text and we phone bank, we include a link to every early voting location in the state, in addition to telling them specifically where their early voting location is based on the county in which they live. So we anticipate the challenges that voters are going to face and we work to resolve them. One of our big concerns in 2023 in Senate District 17 is the number of elderly Black voters that we have in a district that is uh, ex-urban, semi-rural. So that means there is no public transportation to get to where either early voting or polling locations are. So it looks like we may be going back into the rides to the polls business. So I contacted the engineer who designed our software app, Give a Ride, and we're going to be meeting uh, tomorrow to figure out how to resolve that problem so we can dispatch riders to pick up voters who want to go to the polls. Now, Virginia has 45 days of early voting. And while there is a company that provides rights to the polls, they only want to work the Friday before election day, Saturday and election day. I want to get something going in early October where it will be available Monday through Friday. And then we will let the big company take over for the last three days. We also have our own election protection software. If you've ever had to call the 866-R-Vote hotline, which is a great service, by the way, um, you know that 10 or 11 phone calls can just about overwhelm the service. So what we've done is we've created um, a website. It operates on your phone where if you are poll watching and you spot a problem, you can enter the information, take a picture, shoot a video. All of that will go directly to our servers while you are sitting on hold waiting for the 866 R vote hotline to pick up. So we are rewriting that 
or Virginia. This was what we captured in 2020. In 2023, it will only be Virginia. Now, I have gone through a lot about what we do. And now this is the part where you can support us. We would love, absolutely love for you to donate to us. And our donate page, and I will drop it in the chat for you, is a fun page. So support our grassroots effort. For those people who want to take a more hands-on approach, we send postcards. We've already done the initial allocation of 300,000 addresses. Well, there are 900,000 Black voters in Virginia. So if there are people who want a postcard, yes, I can scare up some more addresses for you. Now, I will tell you, we use our own postcards that are designed to be not only incredibly attractive, but definitely noticed. When the Board of Elections notifies people that they're being dropped from the rolls, they send a plain white postcard that looks like junk mail. We make sure that when voters get our postcard, we get their attention. Now, we also have phone banks running. So you can join our National United Phone Bank for training. They do training every Tuesday. There will be a training tonight from 6 to 8. Once you get comfortable with our technology, which is the easiest technology in the world, then you are free to make calls seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. And... That basically is the end of my presentation, and I'm not going to go through. People have no questions. What? I explained it that well. You have no questions. Ask questions. Ask me what the weather is like in Virginia if you can't think of anything else. It's really crappy. It's gray, and even my cat is depressed. Well, thank you, Andrea. That was a lot to digest. I do have I do have some questions for you. So okay. I'll get started, but feel free to jump in, anyone. Um, just unmute yourself and and uh, interrupt me. Not a problem. Um, you did mention your structure a little bit, and I'd love to hear you. You have a C three structure, a C four. You do a lot um, of work, and I just would love to hear a little bit about your budget. Um, if that's okay, because I think people would sure. be interested. You do how you get so much done because you pay some folks don't pay other folks you have a great IT band that you have working so just tell us a little bit about how you get all done all right well number one because Center for Common Ground is 501c3 we are faith organization and faith adjacent organization friendly. So many of our faith groups, Religious Action Center on Reform Ju Judaism, the Unitarian Universalist, my church, the United Church of Christ, the Worker Circle, they volunteer with us, writing postcards, making phone calls, when we text, sending text messages. So that allows us to really save a tremendous amount on cost. 
what do we have to pay for? Well, our budget is about one and a half million dollars a year. We pay the national staff. I am not paid. Well, all right. Uh, the uh, organization pays for my internet. They pay my water bill. Um, and I think they pay something else, but basically I'm less than a thousand dollars a month. So I kind of am a semi-paid volunteer. We also pay our democracy center leaders in our various states because these folks are our organizers and our democracy centers are year round. So folks don't just parachute in right before election day. Communities hate that more than anything. People that they see 60 days before the election and don't see it again until 60 days before the election. The democracy center folks live in the communities where they work. They get to know people, people get to know them. You know you're being successful when anytime there's an event in the community, the community comes looking for you. Can you come and do voter registration? Can you come and talk to us about democracy? Can you come and just hang with us? And we'll figure something to talk about once you get there. Can you put together a community forum and get the candidates to show up so they will talk to us? That's Amazing. Um, so we do have a question in the chat, and I think it, um, it it it's a good way for us to talk about something that you showed Bill and me, um, which I think people should really understand. And that is sort of like messaging what gets what motivates voter turnout. And I'd love for you to talk about the cards that you showed Bill and me, how you get the those voters who really feel that government has let them down. Um, and taken them from feeling sort of disconnected, despondent, and hopeless into basically voting activists. Talk to us about the cards and what is that message and why is it so important to be so community focused? Because that seems to be well, secret sauce. Well, well, as I said, when I first showed the cards, every community has different pain points. There are some that are pretty much the same. Restoration of voting rights in Virginia is a really big thing. People who have passed felony convictions, um, better paying jobs, but when we get out into the rural communities, they want to have markets for their farm produce, what they're producing agriculturally. And in our Roanoke Democracy Center, they were like, gun violence is up 400% in our community. What are we gonna do about it? So they survey the people in their community. Um, what do you think is really important in our community? What could we fix in our community that would make it a better place to live? So whatever the issues are, this is what their friends, 
family and neighbors have told them. So when they send in their issues and we design their cards and they go and they knock on doors, they have ownership of what is in that card. I will never forget uh, Zeta telling me what it was like when she knocked on the door that, you know, she would knock on the door and she would tell people, you know, the gun violence is up 400%. That was mine. I put that on the card. You know, you have like five, 10 minutes to talk to me about what's going on in our community. Oh, and she would always start off with, I'm Zeta. I live over on Calhoun Street. So that people knew, oh yeah, you live where I live. So you understand what this is. People want to be heard. They don't want to be talked at. They want somebody to listen, hear their pain, and then once they're heard, and now you start involving them in the solution of how they're going to fix it. Now, the New York Democracy Center isn't here. Yes, we have a Democracy Center in Manhattan right behind Lincoln Center. There are 5,000 people who live in low-income housing. We were able to work with them so that they got a meeting with their U.S. senator who is looking at sponsoring legislation um, on their behalf in the U.S. Senate and is looking at coming to visit their housing project or a community town hall. Yeah, that's so great. Um, Beryl, uh, my friend Beryl in California has her hand up. Beryl, I, I think you can unmute. Oh, good. I, okay, I unmuted, I unmuted. Um, thank you so much, Kitty, and so nice to meet you, Andrea. Um, I just want you to know our group in California has written 1,200 cards, which are going out to Virginians but now I'm wondering, ours came through Activate America, and we're sending them to Virginia for local okay. mailing. Okay. But we went through Activate America and Commit to Democracy. If I had known about your group, I would have gotten them from you. So how do, do you coordinate with the larger no. postcard? No, we, right to the well, number people. one, we are a large postcard supplier. As a black organization, number one, you have to understand we don't get invited, so that's okay. We do our own. We're fine. We've got this. And our messaging to our voters is very different than the messaging from many of the other mainstream groups. Well, and when do yours <laughs> have to go out by? Um, well, if uh, you're in California. Um, early voting has already started. It started on the 22nd. Um, we're telling people on the East Coast, you can probably do October 22nd, uh, get them in the mail. That's going to be a little squidgy from California. No, we, we, we overnight them to Virginia for local mailing. Oh, all right. Yes. Then October 22nd is when we need those guards to be out. Okay. Thank you. We'll see what we can do. We'll mobilize. We're still uh, on. Yeah, but, but in order to write for us, you must use our cards. 
No, um, I understand that. I will speak to my group today about getting your cards here oh. so we can send out your cards. <laughs> I get it. And, and there, there may be some packagers in your area that already have cards. Really? So I'm going to drop a link in the chat. And depending on where you are, it tells you where all our organizers are in California. Okay, oh, great. Got it. Thank great. you so much. Thanks for what you do. Thanks, Thank Farrell. you for what you do, everything else. And also, they may not be focused on Black and Hispanic voters. Yeah. We need, everyone needs to get talked to, right? All yes. voters need to get yes. talked to. Yes. So it's great. I think they have a lot. Yeah. I think they have a lot of groups covered, um, but yes. I would like to write specifically to minority voters. And one of the sad things that breaks my heart is our phone bank team is still reporting that in many instances, we are the first call and the first contact many of these voters have gotten. So wow. I suspect you also need money. Oh yes. Oh, we definitely <laughs> need money. We and, and and again, we are a small, we are not as secretive as we used to be organization, and we definitely need money. We worked, this is our the November general. This is our eighth set of elections in 2023. So we did the Georgia runoff in December of 2022. Congressman McEachin died. We did the firehouse primary on December 20th. We did Aaron Rouse's election on January 10th. Then we sent the first African-American woman to Congress Virginia Senator Jennifer McClellan. I warmed her seat for her back in uh, November of 2008. Yes, we she did. did the Wisconsin primary, the Wisconsin general. And then we did the Virginia primary where our 501c4, National Women's Political Caucus of Virginia, endorsed 15 women, 11 of those 15 women won their primaries. Five of those races, the boys who know everything, told us we were never going to win those races. And Trish White Boyd's race was one of the main, you are never going to win that race. And take that, says Andrea Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me no. Don't you tell me no. Um, Andrea, let's... um. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, upcoming election in Virginia and why it's so important. As you say, all eyes are on Virginia. Give us a sense for what you're hearing from voters on the ground. You clearly have like a, a really good idea of how people are feeling, involvement, excitement, enthusiasm. So lay, lay the groundwork for us, please. All right. Now, um, in Virginia, Virginia's the last southern state where abortion is still safe and legal. So that is going to be 
critical in all 140 seats of the Virginia General Assembly are up for election. Also, 40 incumbents from both sides of the aisle, House and Senate, retired. This is the first election in Virginia, other than the primaries, run in the new districts. So everything is open. So not only are we talking about being a barrier and the last other state where abortion is safe and legal, we were not vigilant. Well, we were vigilant. We just had the worst candidate in the world in 2021. So the entire statewide office in Virginia is from the other side. So now voting rights are under attack. Virginia has one, Virginia has our own version of the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. We have the Virginia Voters Bill of Rights. In the 2023 legislature, 40 bills were introduced to literally turn back all the progressive wins we had made. They wanted to reinstate photo ID and early voting, reduce early voting to two weeks, get rid of drop boxes, and Sunday voting, anything and everything you could think of. And I, I saw a question, do you see the trend of Black men moving toward Republican candidates? Virginia, that been there, done that, that already happened. That happened in 2010. So we don't have new ones going toward Republican candidates. In 2010, Michael Steele was president of the Republican National Committee. He invested $10 million in pastors in Virginia in 2010. So Virginia is one of the few states where when we look at the black vote, it is not automatically 90% going toward the Dems. It is only 85. Now let's exacerbate the problem with the current governor literally having impact in Northern Virginia, which is normally our firewall on critical race theory and parental rights. So the problem in Virginia is not black men anymore. That ship sailed in 2010. But it was a fabulous question. And yes. um, you're, let's talk about Northern Virginia for a little bit, because I think a lot of us were quite surprised at the um, shift from Biden to Yunkin, especially in that part of Virginia. What's going on there with this parental well, rights? Uh, 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 and, and all right, and let's also understand that the most dangerous man in America for democracy is not former orange trash fire in White House. It is Glenn Youngkin. <laughs> All right. He is tall. He is handsome. He is well-spoken. He appears to be soft-spoken. Everything that Americans love in their president. Let's add on 
that he is an indefatigable candidate. He can go out and he can campaign for three days straight, sleep for about four hours, get up and look fresh as a daisy. Glenn Youngkin sells himself as the most reasonable, moderate, no, I'm not a racist. I have a black lieutenant governor and an Hispanic attorney general. How can I be racist? This is also the man who overturned all the work that had previously been done on restoration of rights and in Virginia that still impacts 75% of Black and Hispanic people. And he ended the process silently of automatic restoration of rights. And now has said, the Virginia Constitution says I, as governor, am free to restore rights based on whatever I'm feeling from the universe. He seems to believe that most people do not remember when felony disenfranchisement was written into the Virginia Constitution in 1902, that Senator Carter Glass, yes, of Glass-Steagall, wrote by introducing felony disenfranchisement, we stand to mitigate the impact of the dark evoked for decades to come. That's why it was introduced as the most racist thing that could be done. And there's only two states that are left with lifetime felony disenfranchisement, Virginia and Kentucky. Hmm. That's not good. Yes. So I yeah. know our history and I have no intention of letting others repeat it. Yeah. Have your um, Sue Mandela follows, follows up asking, have Virginians caught on to this? Are you are you well, seeing that there's an awareness of sort of what he's doing? Um, the... Well, I'm going to say I am sure that a lot of voters in Northern Virginia would really like to get their vote back based on what they are seeing now, because they really believe they were voting for a moderate, and that is not what they got. They got a right-wing firebrand in sheep's clothing, pretending to be, you know, mild-mannered and thoughtful. One of the things that he does so well is whenever he gets a question he doesn't like, he simply doesn't bother to answer it. So for some of his more outrageous right-wing things, he never came out and said it. Plus, he does have a gift where he can stare into that camera. He can lie to you and make you want to believe him. I was just putting in the chat, he's also spending a lot of his own money on this election, 
That's what I read. Um, yes, he is spending a lot of his own money and for a party that did everything they could to end early voting, he decided that, all right, I'm going to get my side to vote early because normally, remember, Orange Trash Fire and White House said early voting is a scam. Early voting is bad. We vote on election day. So he is working to turn that around. And he created the Secure Our Vote Virginia website. Our answer is we, we built vavoter.net slash EV list, the statewide online early voting list. He wants you to sign up for an email so they can then spam you with donation requests. We just uh, give people a link where you can go and look up all your early voting locations. We are, yeah. again, that was all part of understanding what voters were going to need, seeing the need, stepping in and filling it. That's great. Um, yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna put that list um, that you just added. I like this. Uh, well, that's a great, just a, a great, very easy to use list. And we'll put that onto our, our website and do some social media around it so that people have that information because yes. it's yes. so important. Yes. And, and this is something that our national team does, meaning we had to build a spreadsheet, all 133 counties. Every day we go look, um, is there a county that has not announced the times of Saturday voting? Then we have to call. We still have a few, but we really work to keep the list up to date. Great. Well, Andrea, um, I think we're kind of coming to the end of our time. So, um, Where oh, did the time go? wait, I know Sue has a she, Sue Mandel has a question. Why don't do you not use the outside provider like Democracy Works? Who does it full time? Uh, because we are very, very fussy about the accuracy of our information. A partner this morning asked us about using Vote 411. I put in my address and was immediately shocked and amazed at the information was wrong. There was no emphasis on early voting in Virginia. There was, it said, there's no information on drop boxes. Every county by law must have drop boxes. And it said polling locations were not available. Polling locations are available in Virginia 365 days a year. I do not like wrong information, especially when it comes to vulnerable voters. We do this full time. Yeah, I can see that. Yes. You'd want to you'd want to trust the information that you're sharing. Right. It and makes if sense. I built it, I know it's damn right. Because you're an IT expert, too, in addition to everything else that you do, Andrea. So, uh, well, <laughs> well, yeah, in another life, <laughs> this is what I did, which is why I know good IT from bad IT. Well, we really appreciate it. Um, okay, so I just want to make sure everyone knows to please go check out the Center for Common Ground website. Take a look at everything they're doing. We will be having, we have on our website already some um, activism you can do with the Center for Common Ground. We'll be having more. Um, Andrea, I'll talk to you offline about getting some postcards potentially and hosting a phone bank for 
for you guys. That would be really good. Um, anyway, so I just want to say we have so many events coming up. And again, tomorrow night, Robert Hubble, Simon Rosenberg at seven. But check out our website for everything else and our newsletter that's coming out on third on Sunday. And um, Andrea, thank you for your time and your commitment to the voters in Virginia and beyond. And we'll definitely get back in touch with you in 2024 because I know you'll be working around the country and doing the important work that you do. So thank you. Um, and everyone else, thank you so much for coming today to Big Ten. We look forward to seeing you in the future, like tomorrow night at seven. So um, hey, everyone- Big Ten, we love you. We love you. We love you. What is next after Virginia? Um, oh yeah, the what is municipals. next? Uh, the Georgia municipals are going to be November 7th, just like Virginia. And Georgia is a runoff state. So any election where there is no one that gets 50% uh, percent right. plus 1% of the vote, there will be runoffs. Ugh. And then South Carolina presidential primary is February 4th. We right. are probably not going to do a lot with the presidential primaries because it looks like Virginia's uh women's three congressional races are all going to have primaries. Oh, we are going to try to save ourselves for those June primaries. We're going to do work in Georgia as we need to. And we'll look at South Carolina. Funding really determines what we're able to do with primaries in 2024, or do we play and get involved at all? Everything is based on funding. Yes, wow. yes, 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 yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yes. Thank you, Andrea. We appreciate that. And we'll we'll be in touch Bye. for 2024. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thank you.